Good morning. This is Pastor Mike Letterman with ChristLives.org. Today we continue our series of sermons entitled, Can God Really Do It? Can God Really Do It? You know, the lesson today deals with, can God really save the people that you love? There isn't a person present on the sound of my voice this morning that doesn't have someone that they love that's lost. It may be a spouse, a child, a parent, a sibling, or it may be a friend or some other relative. There is someone you care about deeply that will be in hell if they were to die today. If you're like me, you're deeply disturbed by that thought, and you'd like to see them saved and have that strong relationship with the Lord. In fact, you would do everything in your power to see them come to know the Lord, wouldn't you? Let's read from God's Word. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. I use the NIV version, but yours should be somewhat similar. This is about the rich man and Lazarus. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, neither can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This is the predicament that the rich found him man found himself when he realized that he would never be delivered from his own damnation in hell. He remembered the fact he had five other brothers who were also headed to hell who needed to be saved. With the terrible knowledge that they were doomed to join him in hell, he tried to do something to change that fact. I believe his greatest torment in hell may have been the knowledge that those he cared about were on their way there to join him. Now it's true that we all have loved ones headed to hell. It's also true we cannot save them. However, I would like to give you some hope concerning their salvation. We may often find ourselves confronted with the question, can God really save my loved ones? That question may haunt us and burden our hearts, but the simple answer is God can. God can really do it. Allow me to give you some insight into the truth that God can save your loved ones. He can even save you. If you're here today and you've never been saved, and the sound of my voice, 
God answers our concern about our loved ones by telling us, in no uncertain terms, that God can save our loved ones. Let me show you why I say that. Let's look at God's past efforts to save your loved ones. What are some things that God has already done to save them? You know, there are great gifts of God which are already in place to prove that he's concerned with the salvation of your loved ones. Allow me to share three of them with you. There's the word of God. In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus uttered these words, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are, and they, are they which testify of me. One of the greatest gifts ever given to mankind is the Bible. In the pages of this perfect book, God gives us a re revelation of himself to mankind. In the pages of the Bible, we are able to read of the love of God for sinners and the plan for God to save sinners. You see, the Bible was given to man for the express purpose of revealing God to man. That's why I say that the Bible is proof positive that God has made efforts in the past to save those you love. He took 40 different authors from various walks of life who wrote over a 1,600-year period of time and brought it all together in this book we call the Bible. And in its pages, men can see themselves. In James 1, chapter 23, excuse me, chapter 1, verses 23 to 25, they can see God. These books are the proof that God wants to save your loved ones. And I want you to think of how many people have died for the privilege of you being able to pick up your Bible today and read from the Word of God. You know, when we look back across the landscape of times past, we can see the hand of God as it reaches out of eternity into time to perform His mighty works. All of which were and are designed to bring men to a saving knowledge of Himself. We can see in the great works of God that, in fact, that He is interested in saving your loved ones. Even the creation that exists all around us stands as proof of God's great desire to bring your loved ones to himself. Look at Psalm chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. All around us stands the proof of God's existence and his love for men. God has done everything in his power to reveal himself to man through his creation. Only those who would willfully be blind and not see him when they look around. Or as the psalmist says, perhaps they're simply fools in Psalm 14, verse 1. You see, because nature is clouded by sin, it gives only an indistinct picture of God. Much of his great wisdom and marvelous design, however, can still be clearly traced. For instance, the earth rotates on its axis at approximately one thousand miles per hour. If that had been 100 miles per hour, our days and nights would be 10 times longer and our planet would alternately burn and freeze. Under such circumstances, vegetation and man could not live. If the earth were as small as the moon, the power of gravity would be too weak to retain sufficient atmosphere for man's needs. But if it were as large as Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Extreme gravitation would make human movement almost impossible. If we were near 
to the sun as Venus, the heat would be unbearable. And if we were far away as Mars, we would experience snow and ice every night, even in the warmest regions. If the oceans were half their present dimensions, we would receive only one-fourth the rainfall that we do now. If they were one-eighth larger, our annual precipitation would increase fourfold, and thus this earth would become a vast, uninhabitable swamp. Water solidifies at 32 degrees above zero. It would be disastrous if the oceans were subject to the law. However, for then the amount of thawing in the polar regions would not balance out and ice would accumulate throughout the centuries. To prevent such a catastrophe, the Lord put salt in the sea to alter its freezing point. Who can contemplate the magnificence of this universe without acknowledging the greatness of God? His handiwork can be seen in the intricacies of this complex world. Consider these facts about the precise design of our planet. The distance from the earth to the sun is approximately 93 billion miles. And it's just right to sustain life. 100 miles in either direction would be disastrous to human life. The 23 and a half degree tilt of the earth on its axis ensured that we have seasonal changes, without which much of the earth would be a desert. The balance of oxygen 21% and nitrogen 78% in the air we breathe is perfect for supporting life. An ozone layer in the atmosphere shelters our planet from deadly ultraviolet rays from the sun. You see, these all speak of a God of order, design, and greatness. And even more amazing is the fact that God has taken a personal interest in us. The God of that universe that can create so much amazing sights still has an interest in humans. Not only does the created world speak loudly and clearly that there's a God in heaven who is interested in man and his salvation, but the very fact that God sent his Son into the world is proof that God wants to save your loved ones. The Bible tells us that in Jesus we find proof positive of the love of God for the lost, as in John chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible also says that Jesus... It's the perfect revelation of the Father. Look in John chapter 10, verse 30. John chapter 14, verse 9. You see, the very fact that God sent his Son to reveal himself to mankind is proof, at least in my mind, that God wants to save the lost, and that includes your loved ones. When we look at the cross, when all the works of God's are taken into account, None more clearly prove the heart of God to save the lost than the death of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. Paul tells us that this event is the plain expression of his love for us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. When we stop for a minute and think that everything Jesus suffered, he suffered because of you and me. Look at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. For he suffered for you and for me. Every lash of the whip, every drop of spit, every blow to his face, 
every word of mockery, every peal of laughter, every disgrace and indignation that Jesus suffered, he suffered because he loved us and was taking our penalty upon himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Even in the midst of his suffering on the cross, God the Father judged Jesus in our place. Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. The work of Christ at Calvary and the work of the Father at Calvary prove beyond all question the truth that God wants to save your loved ones. Why? Why? Because when Jesus died, he wasn't dying for himself. He was dying for all those that need a Savior. If we look further at the will of God, there's yet another proof from the Bible that teaches us that God wants to save the lost. This truth is also found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. This verse tells us that God wishes for no one to go to hell, but that he wants all to be saved. And in keeping with that wish, God has done everything in his power to make a way for salvation. It is his will that your loved ones be saved. Let's look at God's present efforts to save your loved ones. Let's look at what God's doing right now to see that they come to know him. You know, as thankful as I am for the things that God did in the past, I need assurance that God is working right now to save my loved ones. You know, often we pray and we pray, yet we see no change in their life. Often we get discouraged and we think that nothing is going on in their hearts. I am glad that I can tell you that God is working in this present day and that he is actively pursuing your loved ones to bring them unto himself. We see the conviction of the Spirit that God is capable of doing something that you and I cannot do. We can nag our loved ones, we can plead with them, and we can beg them but we can never touch their hearts in conviction. That is to say, we can never show them that they are sinners and that they are lost without the Lord God. Only God can do that. And that is what he has promised to do in John chapter 16, verse 8. You never know when or how God is working on the hearts of your lost loved one. Therefore, do not give up on them, but pray and live Jesus in front of them at all times, and God will do his part to save them. Be the example before them. One of the greatest things that God does to touch the hearts of the lost is to make a drastic change in all those who come to him for salvation. Like in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The change is so drastic that that, that chapter and verse describe it as literally becoming a new creation. When a sinner is saved, they are changed. And when they are changed, their friends and families can see the difference. And that will speak volumes to the sinner's heart. You see, whether the lost person will admit it or not, he is deeply bothered by his sin and by his life. Then when he sees what God can do for another person that's just as bad, or maybe even worse than himself, it touches his heart. It shows him that God can make a difference for him too. The greatest witness to the power of looking at the serpent for healing in Numbers 21 was the witness of those who had looked and lived. 
Therefore, be diligent to live godly every minute of your day before your lost loved ones. God will use your life to touch their heart. Let's look at the challenge from the scriptures. As I mentioned earlier, God has given us the perfect revelation of himself in his word. This book, as it's preached and as it's lived out in society, will have an enormous impact on the lost. God has promised to take his word and use it as a sharp sword in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 to touch the hearts of men. The gospel which we preach may seem foolishness to those who do not know the Lord, but when the truth is applied to their hearts by the Spirit of God, then conversion can take place. All I'm saying is that God is busy trying to save your loved ones today. Let's look at your personal efforts to save your loved ones. What can you do to see that they come to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior? Number one, you should be concerned about them. That is, you should have a burden for those whom you love. You should have a burden to see them saved and living for the Lord. I realize that many of you have wept many tears over those you care for who are unsaved. My challenge to you is that you do not quit. God will honor those tears, as he said in Psalm 56, verse 8, and he will certainly honor a broken heart, as he said in Psalms 51, verse 17. A burdened heart over the lost will touch their hearts for the glory of God. How many of people have I heard testify to the fact that they heard a mother or father pray for them and they never forgot it? I recall a wife who was saved and burdened over her lost husband. He was a vile man and had no use for the church or for God. One time there was a revival in the church where his wife attended and she invited the evangelist for dinner. When she set the table for the meal, she only set two places, one for her husband and the other for their visitor. She did not set a plate for herself. When her husband brought this to her attention, she replied, I am too burdened to eat. How can I eat when I know that any breath might be your last and that if you die, you will go to hell? She said, I shall not eat any more food until the day you come to Christ as your Savior, but I shall pray for you and for your soul. The man responded by laughing at her and telling her that he would never be saved. It wasn't many days later until the husband became broken over his sins and came to know Jesus as his personal Savior. See, often getting burdened and broken over the lost is the only thing that will touch their hard hearts. When they see genuine concern and love of another for themselves, it will touch their heart. Another thing is that you should be consistent before them. Another thing that's indispensable in bringing your lost loved ones to Jesus is a consistent life. What I mean is a life that places God ahead of everything else. A life that doesn't talk church on Sunday and trash on Monday. A life that doesn't retaliate in anger, but one that reaches out in love. A life that's different and one that's separated and the one is sold out to the Lord. No one will ever win their loved one to Jesus by living an inconsistent Christian life. The only way to do it is for you and for me to be as real as we possibly can be. Does that describe you? You know, some of the female members of the early church were burdened about their husbands. 
Peter's advice to them will work for us in this day and time. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-4, through 4, Peter's advice was that they are a conversation that match their profession. Folks, that will still work today. We are called upon by the Lord to live lives that will always speak well of the Lord Jesus. We should never expect to win our loved ones to Jesus as long as they hear us invite them to church on Sunday and they see us live substandard lives the rest of the week. To be honest, it's no wonder some men don't go to church. It's no wonder some children won't follow in the faith of their fathers. It's no wonder our loved ones don't want anything to do with the house of God. All they see is that we're a bunch of hypocrites and the church has done nothing for us but make us meaner than the devil. Folks, these things ought not to be. Some of you have blown it in front of your loved ones. You messed up and feel that you no longer have any influence with them. That probably isn't true. What you need to do if you've blown your testimony in front of those whom you'd like to live to win to God is do this. Seek forgiveness from God, as in John, 1 John verses 1 through 9. Or, excuse me, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Confess your failure to the persons in front of whom you failed. Ask them to forgive you. Tell them that Christians shouldn't do the things you did and that you're sorry. Let them know that it wasn't right and that by God's grace it will never happen again. Share your testimony with them and point them to Jesus. Remind them of the change Jesus has made in you and what he can do for them if they will come to the Lord. They will respect you more for admitting your failure than for pretending to be some sort of gilded saint who is unable to do anything wrong. In other words, you need to be transparent. You should be compassionate toward them. What I mean is this. You need to remember when you were in their shoes and to be patient with them. If your loved ones are doing things that upset you and they are living in sin, what do you expect? After all, they're dead. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says that and said that they're just doing what dead people naturally do. They're rotting. We are living in a fantasy world if we think we can change a lost person and make them live godly lives just because we want them to. No. That kind of change requires the power of Almighty God. What should we do then? We should be patient. We should pray. And we should wait on the Lord. He will touch them, but probably not in your schedule. He'll do it in his time. You know, as we think about these things, it's evident to me that the Lord has done everything in his power to provide a means of salvation for your loved ones and that he's done everything he can to point that out to them. He's even using you to draw them to himself. All that remains is for them to turn to God and be saved. I hope you can see today that God can save your lost loved ones. I want you to see that he wants to, and he will, if they respond in the appropriate manner. Maybe there's someone here in the sound of my voice today that needs to be saved. As you've listened to this message, maybe you thought about someone who loves you and wants to see you saved. Maybe you've seen Jesus in them and you want that for yourself. 
If you'll come to Jesus today, he will save you and give you a fresh new life. <clears throat> Maybe there are those who have failed in front of their family. I know I have at times. You need to come today and confess that before the Lord and pray for strength to go to them and make it right. They will forgive you and God will bless your effort. Who knows? Maybe your witness through admitting your error might just be what it takes to bring them to Jesus. Maybe you have a burden for someone and you want to come and call out to the Lord on their behalf. <clears throat> Why not come and bring them to this virtual altar and place their name on the, your lips in prayer and watch God begin to work in their lives. I'm telling you this today because God still loves sinners. He wants to save them, and he will if they only come to him. It's time to do business with the Lord. Will you come right now while we seek his face? Would you bow with me, please? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we've had today, Lord, to study your word. Father, I pray for one and a half million listeners in the sound of my voice. Father, I pray that there be some out there, and I know there are, who haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior's Father. I ask you to impress on them that the time is now. There's no time like the present. Father, if there are others out there who have accepted Christ, but maybe they haven't lived a Christian life for whatever reason, it could be tragedy, could be something a preacher said maybe it's something a church member said or maybe it's something that has happened in their life father i ask you to touch their heart as well and ask them to come back to you finally father i love you and i ask this prayer in the name of jesus christ your son amen If anyone made a decision today, I would like to know about it. I often get emails from some of our listeners and requesting prayer, and I'll be happy and honored to pray for you. You don't even have to put your name or a phone number or an address, anything, unless you want me to come back and, and, and contact you later. I'll be happy to do that too. But if you would, send an email to ministry at christ-lives.org or visit www.christ-lives.org and go to our contact page. You can leave us a message that way as well. My brothers and sisters, I thank you for your time today. I thank you for the time that we've had. I thank you for the opportunity to speak to you today. A special call out, I would like to thank Greg Combs at WXRQ Radio for the opportunity to spread the word of God over the airwaves, and over the internet through this media. Greg, I love you, my brother. May God bless and keep you as well. Amen. <laughs>